what is really starting to be true he, he's starting to be more kingdom minded not just church minded everybody say amen it's a season. It's, it's, I'm in a weird season. Drew, you're in a weird, you just dropped your son off to school. So you're in a new season. And so I, I, liked, I, I like going through life by seasons because it makes me deal with it better. Because here's the thing about seasons. They always change. So eventually, here we're all, you know, you guys are in shorts and T-shirts. And stuff, but eventually in Iowa, nope, that's not going to work. You know, the season is going to change. And if you don't change with it and embrace it, what happens? You're uncomfortable. So what happens is, is seasons, I, if, I, if I can look at seasons about my life, it, it just helps me because now I'm in a weird season. Uh, my family's in California. Uh, my brother's there. My mother's there. My sister-in-law, my nephews are there. And then my daughter just moved to Georgia. So my grandchildren are down. I got grandchildren. I know I look marvelous, but I got grandchildren. And so I got grandchildren down in Georgia and my daughter's down there. And we're in a weird season. The church is in a Season because we 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 took we want a little tick and growth and we're trying to figure things out and I'm like sitting there last night while he was snoring and I and I and I woke up and I'm like Lord I just I'm in a weird season you know and then you you got me thinking more kingdom than church because our church is pretty good and we got elders and they run the church I kind of just work there and then you know and but you know you're taking me places and I'm ministering all over and and my mind has changed I'm in a weird season. But the thing about seasons is they always change. So in the book of Ecclesiastes, now, every time I've heard this preached, and I haven't heard this preached a lot, but when I have, they always turn to this book. But it's one thing we forget, that Solomon is old now. He's an old man, and so imagine sitting at an old, older man's feet who's experienced way more life than you. All right? He, he's, 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 not only that, he experienced it rich. You know, so that means that he can buy and do. So I'm taking a rich person's advice a little better than a poor person about what you can do with life. Everybody say amen. Because <laughs> he did everything that you could possibly want to do. He did it good and bad. So I always think, man, Doug, if we would have got major league contracts, how would we be? Would we really be walking with the Lord? I would hope, but millions of dollars. Now, when we play, we were old. We're old now. They weren't getting the dollars they're getting now. But, but I mean, I always wondered, Lord, if you would have had me play baseball, where would I be? Because I know me, and I was kind of wild. I might not be walking with you, so I thank God you took my contract away. Sort of. Sort of. I'm still a little salty about that. The Lord just... <laughs> I, I'm telling you guys, I'm one of the most reluctant pastors and preachers you will ever meet. I just wanted to play baseball, and God says, no, you don't. So here it is. There's a time for everything. Everything on earth will happen at the right time. That's three and one. There's a time and season for everything. Everything will happen at the right time. Now, here's the thing I've realized about God, kids. It's no use to talking to him about time. He doesn't listen. Because, see, I want stuff tomorrow. You know, or better yet, I wanted it yesterday. But see, God goes, eh, I don't have a sense of time. I gave time to you. So we're so driven by time, right? Everything with us is time. You got to get up at a certain time. You got to take a shower at a certain time. You got to be outdoors a certain time. You got to get kids to school a certain time. You got to get, you know, get to work at a certain time. You got to get home at a certain time because you got to cook at a certain time. And I'm thinking, and God is sitting there going, I don't have no sense of time. I'm sorry. Uh, that's you guys. 
Because, okay, okay, you want to talk about time? A day to you is like a thousand years to me. I don't know. So talking to God about time is dangerous. Because it can depress you. Because when you pray, all of you are praying like this. Lord, I really want this to be done and let your will be done. But just please let it be done tomorrow. Let your will be tomorrow, you know, and God goes, no, it's a point in time for everything. Everything happens at the right time. And I'm like, oh. man, being see, I'm one of God's problem children. <laughs> you know how you got that kid is you always got to explain stuff. You got to smack him every once in a while. And, and you just I, I can see God shaking his head at me. Would you shut up? And, you know, I'm one of those, right? And I realized that everything happens at the right time. Verse 2 says what? Uh, Doug, read for me. It says it's time to be born and time to die. Okay, so listen. God is telling you right off the bat, or through Solomon, that you're not in control. Because you didn't have anything to do when you were born. You had nothing to do with it. And then unless you do something stupid, you won't have anything to do when you die. You have nothing to do with that either. So there's a time to be born. You don't have any control over that. So God's letting you know, I'm in control. Everybody say amen now. And then there's an appointed time where you're going to die. And let me tell you something. You don't really have any control over that either. I had to go to the hospital and pray for a man who tried to commit suicide. And it didn't work. That was an easy prayer. First I went, (laughs) that's a waste of time, wasn't it, you know? Because you... The Lord has spared you for some reason. Because you, I don't see how you messed that up. So that means that we're not in control when we're born. So we're not in control when we die. So really, are we totally in control of our lives as we live it? Probably, probably not. I mean, I got plans. We got things we want to do. But I mean, God is telling us right off the bat, you're not in control. Next verse. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. Come on. A time to kill and a time to heal. There's a time when you have to kill things. You know what? A lot of things you got to (sighs) kill. This is hard. Some relationships you got to kill. You got to just kill it. I mean, there's a time when you have to, you know, heal relationships, but there's a time when you have to just kill them. And let me tell you usually when it's time. In a little while after, usually after Halloween in, in Michigan, it starts to get cold. And if you're still wearing shorts and T-shirts, you're going to be very uncomfortable. So in relationships, when is it time to kill it? When you're very uncomfortable, you might need to pray about killing it. When it becomes too hard, when you can't even have a conversation without it turning into something. When it begins to be bad for you. See, because if you force something, you're, gonna, you're adding stress to your life that you don't need. Sometimes you got to just kill it. There's people now that I don't talk to anymore. Everybody say amen. I don't hate them. I don't wish evil upon them. It's just, man, you are so draining. You're still my life force. You know, talking to you, I'd rather go to the dentist. <laughs> you know, you know when that pe- person calls you, you just hold the phone. It's ringing. And you're just sitting there like, no, I don't want to answer this. No, you don't want to answer it. So you might start thinking about it may be time to let it go. Because there's a time to break down and a time to build something. Let me say something about tearing down and building up. 
you, you can't build anything unless you tear something down first. Detroit is going through a major renovation, uh, especially downtown, and they tore down all these buildings. And for a while, it looked so bad. It was just rubble everywhere. But you look at downtown Detroit now, it looks totally different. You have to tear something down to build something new. You can't build something new on top of, everybody say amen, what was. You guys got to know what time and season it is, man. Sometimes it's like I have to 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 heal this thing, and then sometimes I got to kill this thing. And if you have to kill it, move on in Jesus' name. Because you're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be stressed out. Everybody say amen now. And I'm going to tell you, I don't have any more time for more stress, especially self-inflicted. I got enough stress without inflicting stress on myself. Right, right? And man, some people you might have to let them go. Next, next verse. A time to weep and a time to laugh. Yeah. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Sometimes you got to just cry it out. I got tinted windows on my truck. So sometimes I ride down the road and I'm crying. Like, <laughs> no, nobody can see me. You know what I mean? And I'm like, and I'm at the light and I'm crying and the people next to me are probably just going, that's a nice truck. I'm in there crying. My windows are tinted. Some, sometimes people call me all the time. I'm on the radio back home and I get a lot of phone calls and, and people go, I'm so sorry. I'm crying. And I'm like, why are you sorry? You're sad. There's a time to be sad. Everybody say man now. See, when you're sad and when you cry, it doesn't mean that you don't have faith anymore. It doesn't mean that you're giving up. It doesn't mean that you think life is over. It doesn't mean that you're, 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 you're not, you're, um, you have all this unbelief. No, you're sad. I tell people all the time, be sad. There's a time to be sad. Everybody say amen now. There's a time when you should just mourn. And then there's a time when you got to stop mourning. You got to get up. When my grandmother passed, my life changed drastically. Me and my grandmother were we were tight like small pantyhose tight. <laughs> pantyhose are already tight, so imagine it. <laughs> we were tight like that. Kids are going, what's pantyhose? <laughs> you know, pantyhose. So me and my grandmother was me and my grandmother would come to church and we would wear the same color clothes. And I, and she would just look at me and smile. I'm like, how do you know what I was going? Why are you got the same color? We were that close. I'm the oldest grandchild out of probably like 85 kids. So I was always number one. So we were so tight. And when she passed, man, it was tough for me. And then you know what was tough? She wanted to talk to me before she passed away. And I was up, went up to the hospital. She wasn't even talking then, any, really. She wanted to see me, though. And when I walked in, I was, she was the only one to be with me. So I walked in and I went, Grandma, I can't keep seeing you like this. You're in Cancer was eating her up. I'm like, you, you, I can't keep doing this. It's okay. I'll be okay. Still bothers me. And when I left the hospital, I knew I would never see her alive again. And she passed away a few hours after that. And I was good. And then I began to mourn. But the beauty about God is one, he sends the comfort as soon as it starts. And then he promised to turn your mourning into memories. That's what I love about the Father. 
Now I just got all these memories about my grandmother and about her loving baseball and taking me to the hospital every time I got hurt, going, why do you keep playing this game, you know? <laughs> so there's a time to cry, time to laugh. Next verse, Doug, let's move. There's a time to uh, cast away stones yep. and a time to gather stones. All right, come on. Time to embrace and a time to refrain. Parents, there are times when you have to just hug your children, and then there's time when you need to slap your child. <laughs> <laughs> I love the kids. I love the kids. But, I mean, it's just a time. I mean, my son's sitting here, and he'll tell you. There's, there's certain times when it, he's shaking his head. There's certain times when, okay, dude, that was bad, but this isn't the time to get on you about it. Because now we got to fix, I got I'm a, I know I love you, dude, I'm going to hug you out. I got daughters that are grown, and, and that's a story i tell you another time, they're grown, and he's 10, it's, it's, it's complicated, but anyway, and, and so there's times when they expect me to get them, and, and, I, and I just go, no, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all, we're going to figure it out. And then there's times when you have to say, what, what? <laughs> see, we can't keep hugging when it's not time to hug them. We can't keep embracing when it's, no, but they might need a shove. Everybody say amen. amen. And, then, and then there's times when you just have to say, you know what, it's okay. You have to know the right season. Everybody, come on now. Come on now. Don't slap your ch- children when you should be hugging them. But don't hug them when you should be slapping them now. You got to know the difference. Come on, Doug. I'm moving forward. Yeah, time to gain and a time to lose. There's a time, time to, to I hate losing, man. When I play ball, ooh, boy. I'm going to tell you a quick story real fast. I remember one time I was playing, we were playing this game. We were in championship, and, uh, and I was doing well. I had a home run. I had two hits already. I was doing my thing. But my team, I'm like, man, we're losing. And I remember we came to the dugout, and my team was And I sat all the way on the end. I was so bent out of shape. And then all of a sudden, my mother stands next to the dugout, and she's on the fence like this. And she goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, what are you doing down here? How did they let you down here? You know, and she goes, I don't even know why you play this game. You don't never have fun anymore. And when she said that, I told her to go sit down. (laughs) And then I sat there, though, and I went, man, she's right. You're going to lose sometime. Amen, somebody. Man, and I, re- I realize in ministry, you're going to lose sometime. I don't always win. And it's okay because it doesn't mean you, it's over. It can't, doesn't mean you can't recover. It's just, my, I just didn't win this one. And it's okay because if you stay down too long, it, it'll, it'll start to bury you. Everybody say amen. amen. It's a time to keep stuff, and it's a time to throw. You know you're not fitting your big self back in those clothes no more. Throw them out. I almost said big butt, but I don't know if you can say that here. You know you're not fitting in those jeans. You know that, and they're not coming back in style. You know, don't hit me with that one. Oh, no, give it a few years. It'll be better. No, we don't want to see those. And it's like, get. sometimes you got to get stuff out. I'm going to tell you a secret. I've thrown so much of my son's stuff out, he don't even know it's missing. It's like, man, it's just, man, sometimes you got to get rid of some stuff. You got to get rid of it because you won't be able to receive something new. Throw it out. You're not getting back in those. No. Go through your closet. Get rid of I'm a total Nike guy. I I won't tell you how many shoes I got. You will pray for me. You will think that... 
And, and it's like, man, I'm giving so many shoes away. And every time I give one away, I usually get like two back. It's amazing. Get rid of it. Sometimes families get in arguments because it's like, get rid of this stuff. No, that's my, me. don't go in the man's garage and start throwing stuff out now. And you're thinking, you're not using this treadmill anymore. I know you're not. You're not getting back on that. Get rid of it. Come on, man. It's the time to keep stuff. It's the time to throw stuff away. Come on, dog. Yeah, a time to tear and a time to sow. Yeah. A time to keep silent and a time to There's speak. There's a time when you need to shut up. And just shut up. And then there's a time when you need to say something. You know, learning the secret in both is so important. When to do which one. Because, you know, this is what I realized. If I'm yelling, I am totally in control. My son will be like, dad is yelling. Yes. And and, and the reason why I'm yelling is because I'm totally in control. Because if I'm too emotional, I don't say anything. Because I don't want to say something I can't take back. You know? So when I'm in something, some involved with some kind of dispute or something with some person, I'm always thinking, how can, am my emotions under control here before I go down this road? Because I don't want to say something that I can never get back. I might need to be quiet. And then you need to be quiet when you're not going to win anyway. Why are you arguing with someone who just won't? You're not going to convince them, so why are you wasting your time? When you get older, you don't want any more time wasting going on. So I'm like, in this conversation, I can tell in the first few minutes if I'm going to keep talking to you. You trying to tell me the Lions are going to the Super Bowl. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) No, yeah. No, we got Jared Goff. (laughs) We're not going to. Yes, we are. This conversation is over. I'm not going to waste my time. Everybody say amen now. And I'm going to tell you something on a serious note. When Can I be me for a second? You know, you know, no, it's, no one is really time to speak when you see racism. In case you guys didn't know, I'm black. In case you didn't realize that. And so here's the thing that bothers me. And I'm not talking about racist white towards another race. Period. I know black racists, and they get on my nerves. Let me tell you a secret. No white man has ever held me down or held me back. I've managed plants with 300-something people, 175 uh, uh, people working for me at a time. No white man has ever held me down. In fact, white men are the ones who promoted me. So I'm not talking about racism. Every time we say racism, we go, oh, you white people are crazy. No, people are crazy. There's two types of people in this world, stupid and not. <laughs> so it's only two, you know. And so here's the thing. It's not the racist who bothers me. It's the ones that aren't racist that don't say anything when the racists talk. It's a man, his name is James Meredith. He was the first man to go to college in the University of Mississippi. First one to register and go. He was in our family. He's actually a distant cousin of ours. And so ESPN did a documentary on him because of the Mississippi football team. And then they were interviewing people who were there. And there was so many of them that were going, it was despicable what they did to him. I got to do the twang. I can't believe they treated that man that way. 
And let me tell you something. It was only one woman who said, you know what? I invited him to lunch with me in the cafeteria and they crucified me for it. But I know it wasn't right what they were doing and I did something about it. Don't tell me years later that that sure was a shame to treat a human being like that. What did you do then? Did you say something then? If one of you came down to downtown Detroit, or no, inner city Detroit, and some black people jumped out and tried to do something to you, you know who would be the first one stepping in front of me? There was me. So you got to go through me to get to them because you know why? We got one father in heaven. Let me talk to the kids for a second. You know another time to say something? When other kids are being picked on. I hate bullies, man. Hate them. Let me tell you, when I was a little boy, younger than my son, I was a chubby little kid and and I had to have some corrective. And now I wear glasses because I'm blind. But back then I had stigmatism and I had to correct it. And so I remember the kids were brutal, brutal. And then all of a sudden, because I played a lot of baseball, I lost a bunch of weight, and then everything changed. My thing corrected. So I came back to school totally different, and everybody treated me different. But in the back of my mind, I still remembered that. Right? And I remember going to school and being picked on. And then I never got picked on again. This was probably fifth grade. From fifth grade on, I never, in fact, all the girls liked me. <laughs> and all the men wanted to beat me. I'm a baseball hero, plus I play football, and I'm a good-looking dude. I must say myself. And, and so I'm doing all that. And I, But I ate lunch with the kids I wasn't supposed to. And if I saw someone get picked on, I was always quick to use my, my, my status to jump in and stop it. So much so that people would get mad at me. Like, why are you always taking up for them? Why are you always picking on them? Can you imagine going to school being terrorized? So here it is, my kids in here, when you see that, don't just, I'm not going to participate in that. That's wrong. Stop it. I'm like, big boy, you're a big dude. It's always the size of the dog. You protect protect. If you see a kid smaller than you or vulnerable, step in. Do something about it. So, I promise you this, no racist will be able to stand around me. How about you? That's a great deal. Now, I can say this, I'm not angry black man. My church is white. Come on, Doug. I'm on the clock. I got to get out of here. Okay. Got an early flight tomorrow. There we go. There's a time time to love. love. Time to hate. Doug, no, God doesn't hate. Yes, he does. He said he did in the Bible. I'm trying to hate pizza. I'm going to tell you why. Because I love pizza, but it don't love me back. So I'm trying to hate pizza. There's a time when you have to hate some things. God says there's six. Oh, make it seven. Things that I hate. And we go, no, God is love. Of course he is. His DNA is actually love. But there's things that he hates. There's something injustice. You have to hate it. Everybody say amen. Not flirt with it. You got to hate it. Man, 
Chris, me and Drew was talking about Christians have become so political. Why are we so political? They came to Jesus and went, should we pay this tax or not? That was a very political statement. And Jesus goes, oh, you want me to pick sides? I'm my own side. Now, you can vote whichever way you, you deem to vote. But I'm saying we got to still remember we vote under the guise of Christianity. And don't talk to me about, yeah, we winning the, the, the Roe v. Wade thing. Well, we're not doing it in love, though. Drew, what are we doing? Nah, 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 nah. We finally beat you. That's not love. It's not love. How about we love these people and to get them to stop killing these babies? See, I don't want the government to be our moral standard. They won't do it right. Because this one, one time, they're going to say that what me and Doug does is offensive. You guys are offensive when you tell the truth. Everybody say amen. Especially about same-sex stuff. The government is going to step in and say, you guys can't say that anymore. So we're okay as long as it don't impede on our, our beliefs. Amen, somebody. I know I'm making your underwear tight right now. I know. But it's like, man, we, <laughs> we got to learn to do something in love. We, we don't do it in love enough for me. We, we just, we just, that's why people are running away from the church that really teaches the, the word like here. And they're running to the entertainment houses. Who got who, the best band the money can pay for. The, the best lighting you can buy. The, 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 the perfect the screen in the back. Where churches are, people are running to those churches. And I'm not badgering them. I'm just saying I'm tired of the entertainment factories. And why, do I, why am I able to say that? Look at the state of the country. We have all these people in church. Why isn't America more holy? Don't get me started. Brother, I'm trying to come. I got a plane to catch earlier. There's time to love, time to hate. There's a time we need to go to war, and there's a time when we need peace. Husband and wives, <laughs> figure it out. There's a time when somebody got to say, I'm sorry. Right, right? Somebody's got to say, okay, okay, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. And then the wife be like, what did you say? Say that louder. <laughs> There's a time when you got to make peace. You can't stop. The Bible says don't let the sun go down arguing like that. Somebody say, okay, enough. Agree to disagree. That's a good plan. I just don't feel that way. Well, I, don't, I feel the other way. Okay, let's just agree to that so we can stop being stupid. Amen. Isn't it, isn't it horrible being in a house with tension? Oh, man, you're sitting down eating, everybody's quiet, head down, kids scared to look up. Mom, bring, here, you want some more potatoes here? Husband, all, face all pruned up, won't say anything. Somebody's got to make peace. Everybody say amen to that. Come on, Doug, I'm almost done. Okay, what profit has the worker from that which is which he labors? Uh-huh. Yeah, I've seen the God-given task which uh, the sons of men are to be occupied. Okay. He has uh, made everything beautiful in its time. All right, now let me, let me speak this in English. Verse 12 says, I learned that the best thing for people to do is to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. 
But here's the problem. We always base it on usually what we have or don't have. Or what's easy and what's not hard. That's how we usually base the life that we live. No, we have to learn how to be good whatever state we're in. Because it's a season. I'm telling you, it's going to change. It's just a season that you're in. Man, right now I'm in a weird season. I got to learn how to be a brother, a, a mother. I'm not a mother. I'm not a mother. A, a, a son. I got to learn how to be a son. I got to learn how to be a, a, a brother-in-law, an uncle to people. I got to learn how to be a father and a grandfather to somebody somewhere else. And it's like a weird season. I got to learn some new tricks to be able to pull this off. But the one thing I have to do is I got to be okay with it. When seasons change, you have to be okay with it. Because at the beginning, we're not okay with it. Because why? It's different. Yeah, let it be different. And then you got to embrace it. So you can start to enjoy yourself every day. Things are going to change. They are going to change. They're really going to change. And we have to learn how to let it change. I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a high school hero and all that. I'm not, I, don't, I don't even know where my letter jacket is. I lost it. I'm not st- hanging around the high school still with my jacket on. Going, hey, remember me from 1981, you know? <laughs> See, it's just change. You got to embrace the change. Or you're going to be what? So uncomfortable. So, and you might look stupid, you know? Embrace the change. Everybody say amen. amen. Thank you. Thank you. In verse 13, God wants everyone to eat, drink, find satisfaction in their work. I know some of you go, no, you don't know the job I have. And I'm going, I don't. But one thing I'm saying is, man, don't let the job define you. Everybody say amen. And, amen. and man, don't allow it to steal your joy and, you know, just make your money and go home. So that's a, that I, people always used to go, come to me and go, oh, Kenan, this is wrong and at the plant. And I used to run this automotive plant. And Kenan, this is happening. Make your money and go home. Let them pay you for being here. Do your job and go home. And when you leave out of here, leave it. Everybody say amen. You see, because what's going to happen is you're not changing right now because God hasn't moved you right now. So the more you whine, it's like, it's like putting the pie in the oven and then going to check it. Nope, not ready yet. So as long as you're whining and kicking and screaming, God's going to open the oven and go, nope, not ready yet. And he's going to leave yourself there. I almost said, but you're going to leave your booty there. Everybody say amen. Until you get it. There's something he's trying to show you or tell you or something. So why don't you pray this? Lord, I need, to, I need a new job. I need to get out of here. This place drives me nuts. But what am I supposed to do while I'm here? Yeah. See, because I don't want to kick and scream. You're going to leave me in this oven. I'm going to learn some peace. I'm going to learn to negotiate around bad people or negative people. I'm going to learn how to... Maybe my patient level is not where it should be. Everybody say amen now. Yeah. See, those are good prayers. Those are good prayers. Verse 14, I learned that anything God does will continue forever. People cannot add anything to God's work, and they cannot take away from it. God, this, 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 he did this so people can respect him. Nothing you, what are you, nothing you can do. Everything is at its appointed time. Now, what you can do to speed up the process is agree with it. Embrace it. Continue to believe God for the change, though. 
God does, he wants you to believe for the change. But how we deal with the seasons determines how long the season is. Thank you, people. I'm almost done. Go to Jeremiah 29 real quick, and I'm going to get you out of here. Verse 29, I mean, uh, chapter 29, verse 4. Here's God talking to the people of Israel. This is very interesting. Go. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem. So wait a minute, God, you telling me that I'm in captivity and you caused it. So, okay, we got trouble at the at the onset. I'm I'm struggling to pray already because I'm in captivity. Come on now. Imagine being in captivity. You're uncomfortable, right? You're in another season and then you caused it. And God is saying, uh, thus say the Lord of hosts, uh, I know you got carried away. I know you're in captivity. I allowed it. Yeah, build houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat their fruit. He says, but while you're there, make yourself useful. So when you go through a different season and you're, not, and you're in a strange season, you still have to be useful. He says, don't sit there and just cry about it. Build houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, eat the fruit. He's not saying I'm getting you out. Right? He's saying, while you're there, make yourself useful. Hmm. All right, all right, come on. Yeah, take wives and begot sons and daughters and take wives. Find you a wife. Some of us go, I don't want one, but find one anyway. And give your daughters to husbands. Get some sons, sons get some daughters, take wives for your sons, get get grandkids, give your daughters to husbands so that they can bear daughters. That's a whole lot of giving. Yeah. And that's a whole lot of sex going on, too, obviously. <laughs> like, man, okay, it's a lot, a lot happening. All these grandkids. You, take, you, you went from taking a wife all the way to your kids taking wives. Right? But he's saying, be productive. Yeah. Produce. I know, you, you, man, you want this thing to change, but while you're in the middle of it, don't sit in the corner and cry. Yeah. Do the best you can with what you have. It's going to change, I promise. Seasons always do. All right. But be productive. Okay. So so and here's the thing when you pray really fast, because remember, God in time, this is timing with God. Real quick. When I prayed to God for something, I really believe I had it when I said it. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Uh, my daughter, my middle child, Courtney, growing up, she loved McDonald's. And I'm and I'm like, oh, and so I remember one day she was little. And I had to uh, uh, do some running around. So I got her in the car seat, stuck her in the car, take off. I'm like, look, we're going to, Dad, can we get McDonald's while we're out? Yep, I'm going to get you some McDonald's. So we take off. I'm like, but here's the thing. I got a couple things I need to do. I got to make two stops, and then we'll go to McDonald's. So we're riding, and I pass the McDonald's, and she goes, Dad, I thought we were getting McDonald's. We are, but you, I got some stuff to do, and I'm going to take it to McDonald's. So I make the first stop, get that done. Get back in the car. We take off again. Okay, now we're going to McDonald's. No, I'm going to slap you. (laughs) I told you you were going to get McDonald's, but I had some stuff to do. And so then we went to the other place, and and in the parking lot, she goes, Dad, I thought we were going to have McDonald's. You always tell me the truth. And I'm like, hold on a second before I choke you out. (laughs) You had McDonald's when you said it. But everything wasn't ready yet. 
And if I take you to McDonald's now, you're not going to enjoy it because I'm going to have to rush you. Because I got to make this other appointment. So I'm going to take you to McDonald's now. You got like 10 minutes. You're not going to sit there and enjoy that. But if I can get this done, then you will enjoy it. So when did you have it, though? When you prayed it. Jesus walks up to a fig tree and says, "Uh, no figs, be cursed. You know when the the fig tree died? As soon as he said it. It didn't look like it. Even the disciples were like, he blew that one. It's still fruit up there. But no, it died as soon as he said it. So God, you give God's prayers, and God says, that's a good prayer. I'm in. And then we go, it didn't come tomorrow. Something's wrong. And then God goes, no, it's not ready yet. You're not going to enjoy it. Come on now. Let me reorganize. I haven't even talked to the other person who's going to give that to you. I, I haven't even opened that door yet for you to get through it. I'm God. I know what I, I know what I'm doing. Isn't it hard, though? Because I wanted that yesterday. And God goes, it wasn't ready yesterday. But when you prayed it, you had it. So now how you're waiting on me will determine how long it takes. Don't make me shut the oven back. I need you to be productive until it comes. I'm almost done. Where are we at, Doug? Come on. Seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away. You see, you know, here's the thing, man, because the government gets on my nerves. We got the most broke down, stupidest government. And I go, Lord, I don't want to pray. And then God says, well, you better pray because it affects you. So what if your candidate is not in office? You better pray even harder. And don't pray. Get them out. I can't stand them. Let me tell you a secret. God appoints kings. So my thing is like, man, you need to pray when stuff is wrong because it directly affects you. Don't just cry about it and be upset and whine about it. Tell your neighbors. No, let's let's pray. Come on now. Seek peace. I caused you to be carried away. You need to be productive there. In fact, I know you're in captivity, but I want you to pray for it. Can you imagine praying for someone and you're captive there? I don't want to pray for these people. I want the fire from heaven to come down, burn these people out. God says, no, we don't do it that way. Come on, come on, Doug. Yeah. So, verse 10. Yep. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit and perform my good work. This drives me nuts. And cause you to 70 years? You telling me (laughs) that I got to be, 70 years? I would have been like, wait a minute, God, hold on. It's me, I know. Don't send a light in a boat. But you trying to tell me, 70, after 70 years, you're going to come rescue me. I, God has no sense of time. Everything will happen at a disappointed time. I, I know you're praying for it, but it's going to happen when it's supposed to. So what do you do until then? Make yourself useful and learn how to enjoy life every day. That's good. Just, just where it is, man. Right? 70 years, I'm going to come get you. And, and I, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return back to me when you're done. In the meantime, make yourself useful. 
In the meantime, do your job and go home. In the meantime, do the best you can in school and graduate. I remember my mentor told me, man, it's going to be a time when he's like, man, I started going to ministry. And he's like, yeah, I'm like, man, I'm not really doing nothing. And he's going, no, you better enjoy this time. Because there's going to be a time where you don't have any time. You won't have any time. And now I go, he was so right. I have no time. I wish I had a little time back like I had back then when I was just sitting there just goofing off with my. Now I got a plan to goof off with my son. Did you get too busy? This thing is draining. It just it wants all of you. But I still got to be a, a, a good father. So I carve out time. But I remember him telling me, you're going to wish you had time. There's a season for hallelujah, somebody. Doug, I think we got one more. Yes. Come on. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to yep. give you future and hope. And he's like, man, I got you covered. I, I got plans for you. Listen, I have pl- good plans for you. I don't want to hurt you. I plan to give you hope and a good future. Yeah. I know it's not going the way you plan. I know it's not working out the way you wanted it to. But I hate to tell you I'm God. I always tell my son, I'm like, okay, you know better than me. He goes, no, that, no, you know better than me, right? Without me, there is no you. God has taught me more about him, more about him through me and him. Because God is showing me, and he's, because I used to look at God only as God. Now I see him as the father. Now, hallelujah, somebody. See, if we just see him as God, we'll miss something. We have to see him also as father. Jesus says, when you pray, pray to the father. So, yes, he's God. We have to acknowledge his godness and spiritually we, we recognize his power and his authority and his sovereignty and all of that. But if we don't view him as father, we won't know that he knows us. We won't know that he knows what's best for us. We don't we won't know that he has great plans for us. I was just telling him, dude, I know when I get on you, I know you think I'm depriving you or I'm just getting on you. It's totally out of love. It's totally because I'm a good father and I love you. I would be a bad father if I let you do whatever you want to do. And then I'm going to be really bad. I'm going to turn this brat out into the world and make the world deal with it. I was in the airport. I'm done. And this lady uh, had a little little boy. He's probably like six. And then she's trying to talk to him quiet. You know, stop it, stop it. He's like, no, I won't stop it. She's like, I'm going to spank you. I'm going to spank you. And he starts hitting his mom. And he's screaming, and, and the grandmother just walks away. She don't even want to deal with it. And people are walking past, and they're looking like, oh, man. And I wanted to go over there and say, excuse me, ma'am, do you need me to choke him? <laughs> I can choke him in Jesus' name. I can do that for you, you know. <laughs> See, because the problem is he hasn't been choked. <laughs> See, now, now here's another problem, ma'am. You are going to let this monster, he's going to grow up. And you're going to give them to us. And society's going to have to deal with this dude. So I can choke him. <laughs> so here's God being a father. And God says, I, I'm gonna, I need to choke you. Hallelujah, somebody. I have plans for you. And no matter what season I'm in, Doug. And you know about my seasons very well because I talk to Doug a lot. And I tell him my thoughts a whole lot. He knows my plans for the future. Let me tell you my plans for the future really quick. I don't even have any. 
I can't see past next year. I don't know where my life I might be in Iowa. <laughs> it was a house right behind Doug for sale. I'm like, I might buy that house. That's like a nice house. I don't, I can't, for the first time in my life, Doug, in my ministry, I can't see past a year. I don't know what God is going to do. So you talk about seasons. Now, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to not cry. I'm going to stay productive. And I'm going to allow God to be the father. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.